Hello. We are here up at the top to give thank yous to our newest review leavers because we love our review leavers. So we want to say thank you to Cosmic Dwin and Harry Potter Weirdo, who both left us iTunes reviews, and to Jasmine Sagi. Sagi. I'm really sorry that I don't know how to pronounce your last name, who left us a Facebook review. All of you are super awesome. If you want to hear your name read at the top of this podcast, just hop over to iTunes or Stitcher or Facebook. If you leave a review somewhere else, those are the only places that I know to check. So if you leave a review somewhere else, you're going to need to email us a uh, a screenshot because I won't see it. Uh, but I would want to thank you. So yeah, just go leave us five stars, good review. And then you too can hear us be enthusiastic about whatever you wrote us, whatever review you wrote us that's positive. Negative ones we'll just make fun of in a group text. We might make fun of them on the podcast. That's also true. I guess it depends. I was reading some negative reviews of another, like, feminist killjoy podcast that I enjoy recently, and, like, most of the negative reviews are like, oh my god, why are you talking about, like, the patriarchy so much? That's boring. <laughs> I was like... Why are you listening to that podcast? Then? Right, exactly. <laughs> why are you engaging in the world with things if you don't want to hear that? Like, right? It's okay. like such so, you know, if anybody wants to leave us those reviews, we would be happy to make fun of you. So feel free. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right? Anyway. So with that. The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you've read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. Is left for us to rant about. There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello. And welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And we are on chapter three of book two, The Burrow. What happened in this chapter is Ron and the twins arrive at Proof of Drive in a flying car to spring Harry from the Dursleys. After a weirdly harrowing escape, Harry arrives at the borough, the home of the Weasley families, where we get to know Molly, author, Ginny. Harry gets to mistreat some sentient beings, and there's a lot of references of Percy jerking off. Yep. That is this <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I like, I like underline it because I'm just like, this is the most blatant like jerking off euphemism i've ever seen uh-huh yeah polishing his badge <laughs> like seriously yeah 
we're gonna have to talk about Percy's sex life like so much in this book, which is fine. I'm excited to do to do so. <laughs> yeah. We start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Imprisoned boy rescued by children after adults refuse to take action. I mean, yes. That's it. <laughs> so much adult failing in this chapter. Really? Um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a thing. All right, but let's, let's, uh, you know, start off on a lighter note. Yes, we turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of the newspaper. <laughs> I don't know why I have this separate from the rest of my house elf stuff, I guess because this is more just like something I'm curious about and it's not really political, but house elves come with houses, so they're not attached to families. If you move, you lose your house elf. I mean, wait, I feel like I should have looked over this because that's, that's what is that in the beginning of the chap? No. Fred says house elves come with big old manors and castles and stuff. Something along those lines. I mean, maybe it's just like if you have enough money to have a house elf that you probably live in a manor or a castle. I mean, like there's one at like Grimmauld Place isn't like, I mean, I don't know. It's a mansion of some variety. It's not an estate because it's in a city, but it's definitely like rich people live in i guess i just i guess i just chalked it up with them sort of equating like having enough money to live in a house i have a house elf or house elves plural with like living in like a beautiful mansion or like rolling estate yeah it's just a weird that's pretty like the phrasing of they come with this kind of house and he says a house elf would never be caught dead in our house so it's not like they wouldn't come to our family it's like they wouldn't come to our home Hmm. i don't know how does that magic work okay what's your first front page so we see uh ron picking hegwit the lock on hedwig's cage Mm -hmm. and i feel like him picking locks like never shows up ever again (laughs) and i'm like that's because nothing is locked (laughs) ever we've established this this is true he knows oh. how to do Alohomora, and they never encounter another locked door. <laughs> it's about the ministry. So it's just nice yep. that the twins like taught Ron how to do that, and probably Jenny, I'm sure. So Yeah. Yeah. My next one is a question, which is what is a warlock? Perkins, Arthur's um Coworker? Coworker, uh other department person is an old warlock and i assume that because no one else is described as a warlock a warlock like a hag is like a different species of some variety but like i thought that warlock was just like another word for wizard i mean maybe it's like maybe it's like an honorific because like isn't dumbledore chief warlock of something 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 yes Good point. Maybe it's like you become old enough and it's like yeah, you become a warlock. So. Okay. Huh. Cool. I like it. But yeah, we'll keep an eye out whenever they use warlock again. Because if it's just used indiscriminatory, then it's like JKR is just like throwing, the, throwing them in. So. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. It seems weird that the twins are like Draco Malfoy, Lucius Malfoy's son. I'm like, the wizarding world is like 
it's so small. And Hogwarts is, like, so small. It's, like, if there's less than 500 kids in there, you're going to fucking know everyone. Like, that's how small schools work. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, what? Yeah, that's so. true. Although, you would be surprised. Like, there were only 400 kids, like, roughly the same as Hogwarts at my high school. Um and when I run into people that, like, know someone who was definitely there while I was there, they'll be like, oh, did you know, like, this person? And sometimes I'm like, uh, the name maybe, but often I'm like, I have no idea, especially if they were younger than me. I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, no clue. So I don't know, especially if, like, he's not on the Quidditch team and, like, he's he was, like, a, you know, the, a first year, last year he's probably like as far off of fred and george's radar as he possibly could be i mean except that it seems like ron would probably have talked shit about my foray nope you're right that's a really good point so is this a correction maybe yeah anyway they the twins should know unless they really just don't they just ignore ron completely which i mean clearly not they taught him how to pick locks yeah maybe they just tune him out when he's whining that's a weird thing (laughs) Huh? <laughs> Maybe they just tune him out when he's whining about something. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. Whatever, 11-year-old yeah. child. <laughs> yeah, but, like, their dad hates Malfoy, so they definitely would, like, ears perk up if Ron was complaining about a Malfoy. You're totally right. Yeah. So my next one is ready to talk about Percy jerking yep. off all summer. <laughs> like, literally all, like, enough that, like, everyone's making a joke of it is so awkward but also really polish your prefect badge so many times a day (laughs) (laughs) like like percy probably is like literally doing it but also figuratively he's just jerking off constantly i know to his prefect girlfriend so it's like polishing his prefect badge (laughs) it's so funny it's so funny So I have in my notes to tell the story of a boss that I had at one point I was working on this farm and she was talking about her son and he was like, I don't know, 17 maybe at the time. And she was like, you guys are young. Is it like, tell me, is it normal for a teenage boy to take like three or four showers a day? Like, should I be worried about him? Does he have like OCD? And all of us just like exchanged very uncomfortable looks. And then we had to explain to her that her son was just jerking off in the shower all the time. Uh, And it was very cute and awkward. Is he okay? Is this a compulsive? I was like, Nope, he sure is just 16. Yeah. Um, That's what 16-year-olds do. (laughs) Um, I know we've talked about laughing about teens exchanging, like, horny letters via owl, but this is literally what's happening Mm -hmm. (laughs) between Percy and his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. It's like, Percy got a new owl, and it's just, like, nonstop earnest like weirdly earnest but also like hilariously sexy letters i don't know i don't think they're earnest which we'll get into when we get into the whole like what did jenny see percy doing situation i think they are kinky i think penelope clearwater is opening some fucking doors for percy weasley (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm sure that at first he was like, ah! like got that letter and was just like, oh my God. And then like laid in bed that night and couldn't stop thinking about it. At which point he needed to get out his prefect badge and polish it. Um, you are, you're probably a hundred percent right. That makes so much sense. Yep. Anyway, you know, just waiting the however fucking long it takes owls to deliver a letter. Like, I don't oh know. My God. Waiting. Yeah. Uh, slow motion AIM. Oh my God. <laughs> the, like, slowest. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You know what was nice about AIM instead of text for sexting is that the chances that you were sending it to the wrong person were so much lower yeah i've definitely gotten accident like like sex messages that were to someone else and it's like oh whoops and it's like okay yeah i check like 17 times before i send a sexy text message (laughs) i'm like i do not want that to happen which is also really funny because I feel like Evan is as embarrassed by receiving sexy text messages from me as someone who had received it by accident would be. (laughs) (laughs) He's so bad at it. That's so funny. He started just responding with gifts of things like dogs with like their heads stuck in a Kleenex box running into walls. (laughs) That's like how he feels. so funny anyway oh great good talk (laughs) anything else about this subject i don't not not right now but what's your next one uh actually i think this is the end of my that's all my uh front page stuff all right my last one is just that their big plan for like how Molly wasn't going to find out they flew the car was to come downstairs in the morning and go, look who turned up in the night. (laughs) (laughs) It is very poorly thought out. It is such a bad plan. (laughs) It's very, like, often the people, like, the kids in these stories don't come across as kids, and this is one of those situations where it's like, you are children yeah that is a very because i was like yeah because like, the twins are like what like 14 or 15 or something harry just turned 12 so yeah they're like 14 yeah that's a that's a like 14 year old logic mm-hmm. <laughs> i feel like it almost feels more like a nine-year-old logic you know like at 14 i at least would have tried to come up with like a bigger plan for when she was like how the fuck did you get here to have something like, where Harry was I mean, like, I uh, took a train, yeah. question mark. Like, <laughs> I hitchhiked, like, with my trunk and my owl. You know, like, I went, there was... Yeah. It's a bad plan. <laughs> yeah, it is not a great plan. Which is... It was always doomed to fail, really. Yeah, it was. They tried, though. They did. <laughs> Welcome to Community Profiles, where we highlight a member of our community, or in this case, members of our community, because we're doing the whole Weasley family. 
we're just gonna chat about them. So I would like to start. Look, okay. Usually community profiles are celebratory. Um, usually we're like someone that we love. Um, and we do love the Weasley family, right? They're like a really important part of Harry's trajectory and like they're his refuge and his safe space. And like in a lot of ways, they're great. However, so here's my analogy of what the Weasley family dynamic reminds me of. Well, there's a couple different parts of this, I guess. The first thing that I want to talk about is sort of like the whole, like the family dynamic as a whole, which especially like Molly and Arthur's relationship, which reminds me of like every like kid sitcom parent relationship. They have the same relationship as like Corey's parents on Boy Meets World, for instance. (laughs) Um... And the same relationship as, like, Cory and Topanga when they grow up, and the same relationship as Cory and Topanga in Girl Meets World, which I have seen a couple episodes of. I want to be really blunt. That's an abusive relationship. Like, just because it's the woman doing, like, the threats of physical violence and the yelling and the locking someone out of the house and, like, you play a laugh track after those things happen, that's still abuse. And it's not cute or good or, like, a good model of what family dynamics should look like or what relationships should look like. And it makes me really upset. Um, I hate the way that she treats Arthur. I don't like the way she treats her kids either. Yeah, it's... I don't want to say it's weird. Maybe I do want to say it's weird. That, like... It's like, the, like you know, like, so, you know, we, we meet her briefly in chapter you know, chapter whatever of book one. And then now we're, like, really kind of getting to know her. And it's, like, trying to, like, you know, describe her as, like, a very, like, kind, like, open woman. But then it's, like, Harry loses track of how long he's been standing there while she yells at her children. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, like, I'm, like, this is so awkward. I'm, like, because I've definitely, like, been a person where it's, like, someone's getting yelled at, but, like, I'm just here. (laughs) It's, like, so it's like the worst. Yeah. And I mean, she has every right to be upset with them, but the things that she says to them are like awful. I hate the way she treats the twins in particular and like her comparing them being like, I never had this kind of trouble from like Bill and Percy. And, you know, it's clearly a sore spot because Fred's like perfect Percy. And she's like, you should take a page out of his book. Like it's very clear that like, she has one standard for like what her children should be like and she doesn't have any room for the kids that she actually has and I think that that's really bad parenting I don't think she's necessarily you know what I'm like I don't think she's necessarily abusive to her kids but like would we say that if we saw Arthur yelling at them and like putting them down in the ways that she's doing those things? Would we be like, oh no, this isn't abuse? I mean, I don't think we would. I don't think so either. It's one of those weird places where like sexism allows bad behavior from women 
in this way, like, which I guess is tied into the idea that, like, women are, like, not threatening and, like, can't be, like, violent in the same way that men can be. But, like, I think we should hold everyone to the same standards in terms of what you can and can't say to one another. Yes, I think you're definitely right. And I want to add on the extra layer of, like, both Molly and Arthur have, like, magic. Like, so it's like the potential, the capacity and the potential for it to get, like, really terrible really quickly is like, you know, like, if you are, like, a witch, like, you have magic. And, like, it's not, like, your gender doesn't really play into that at Mm -hmm. all. Or, as far as we can tell, doesn't. I mean, I feel like a lot of the gender essentialist shit that people say to excuse, like, when women are abusers, it's like, oh, you're not physically intimidating, or it's like, you couldn't harm someone. It's like, that doesn't really happen in the witching world, because, like, everyone has wands. Right. Like, everyone could, you know, curse your, like, throat closed, or whatever the fuck, you know? You know, so it's like, yes, yes, Molly is, like, you know, described as, like, being very, like, kind, and, like, whatever, blah blah but it's like, she still has a wand, and, like, mm-hmm. as we saw in book seven, is powerful and could murder someone. So it's like... In fact, does murder someone. I mean, yes, and does murder someone. So I feel like I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. I'm not... No, I agree with you. I, I think that the uh, what I hear you saying is that it's problematic no matter what, but also in this world, like the physical differences between men and women that society uses to say like women aren't threatening actually like that's a zero-sum game is that what how you use that saying yeah because everyone has the same access to a tool for physical violence that is equally powerful regardless of who's wielding it yeah like it's more egalitarian kind of so like yeah so the the capacity the capacity of violence is much more egalitarian in the witching world um which yay oh no <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so the thing with her and Arthur, I guess. So, you know what I'm talking about in shows like Boy Meets World, where it's like, like literally, I think I've seen two episodes ever of Girl Meets World, and in one of those two episodes, Topanga literally locks Corey out of the house because she's angry at him, and he has to climb in through his kid's window. And it's like a cue the laugh track moment. Ha ha, my wife locked me out of the house. If you reverse that situation and Corey had locked Topanga out of the house, that would not go, that would not be broadcast, right? Like that yeah. script would be pulled. It's it's not okay. Like that is not okay behavior. And a lot of what I don't like about it is that, I mean, one, it just like that's fucked up. Don't do that. Yeah. But a lot of the way that, like, the parental relationship dynamic plays out in relationships like with the Weasleys, it groups the dad in with the kids in a way where it's, like, everyone is, like, at the whim of Molly. She, like treats him very similarly to the way that she treats the kids. And then he has this sort of like solidarity with the kids that like she doesn't have and that he doesn't have with her. 
and we're gonna see it played out over and over again there's a point where like the kids are in trouble with him and like he like wasn't planning to tell molly about what happened because like she was gonna overreact which like kind of is legit but like also like that's not good parenting like y'all should be a team it's very like cool dad and then strict mom and it's like that's Right, he's yeah, like, oh, like did not... flying the car go okay? Instead of like, oh my god, my kids could have been killed. And it's like clear right. that he's not mad at them. Or like, I don't know, he could have lost his job if anything with the ministry had been like, we found your underage children in a fucking illegal flying car. Right. Like, what? Right, exactly. And she does a thing that also, I just personally like, it just fucking like grates me when people do this, where she says your sons did this thing, flew the car. And I think that that is like such an effective, subtle, just really, really nasty thing that's pointed like towards everyone who's receiving that statement. Mm -hmm. And I hate it. (laughs) I, I don't, I don't like the way she treats her family. Yeah, it's not great in a lot of ways. It's not great. Yeah, do you have anything else on that? I think the only thing I have on that, which might kind of maybe go into our like next point, which is Molly's reaction, not great. Like, she, yeah, like her responses sometimes are not great, like the way that she responds to things. Um, author's complete like misuse of his government position though is like a thing where it's like she should be legitimately angry about that because like holy god what yeah 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 mm-hmm. it's so fucked up like it's this very like i mean can you imagine the way that he would feel about it if it was a dark wizard writing loopholes in their own laws to allow them to, for instance, perform muggle baiting. Like the loopholes in his laws would allow them to get off if they just were like, LOL, I thought it was funny to like make this key shrink. I never intended to give it to a muggle. Right. Author, you know, being in charge of this department, obviously having a hand in writing these laws, but it's also like my house is, and garages full of enchanted muggle objects, you know, that if muggles used them would literally be dangerous. But it's like, fine, what, you know. Right. It's this sort of, like, idea of, like, well, I am a good person, so when I do this, it's fine. But, like, if a bad person did it, it wouldn't be fine. But, like, you can't actually, like, enforce that based on that, like, from a legal standpoint. Um, you can't be like, well, I did it for fun, but like you did it to be mean, you know, like intent, intent is not enough. And it's just, it's just like written off like the whole series, like it was like a funny quirk of his and it's like, this is actually so much more serious than that. Yeah. I actually have a whole thing about author's job in politics. Um, because I really, I, I kind of really want to get into, like, what his job actually is and the, like, apparently complete lack of trying to prevent these things from happening, just dealing with them after the fact. hmm And it's like, brah. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. It's really... I don't love the way that he's written, just in general, beyond just, like, the way that, like, his relationship with Molly and his kids plays out, but, like, just, like, him in general, it's so, like, oh, he's, like, foolish, but also, like, a really good person, but also, like, a joke, but also, like, really important, seemingly, at the ministry, and he's, like, this weird, like, allegory for, like poor Catholics in the U.S. and olden times, you know, like what all is, or maybe not just, I guess that's actually a big thing. What in like Ireland too was a big thing. I'm not super up on non-U.S. political history or U.S. political history. (laughs) I mean, they're like redheads with too many kids and no money. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, reading between the lines that needs to take yeah. place there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty blatant. And, like, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, it's it's a very, they're a very, like, emotionally confusing family, I think, for me. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, do we want to talk about, like, anything specific to, like, the kids at all in their little community profile here? I mean, did you have anything specific that you wanted to say? No, honestly, I did have, like, sort of the description of their house, not, like, the, like, architectural stuff, but, like, the way that it feels, like, outside and inside, I feel like, is, like, a, their house is a character and, like, a member of their family, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I... If you're cool with it, I think we should talk about that a little bit here. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing is that Harry describes the garden and how much he likes it. And I just wrote same in all caps really big in my book because that is, like, my dream yard. Yeah, no, that is pretty idea. Like, beautiful garden is full of chickens. It's, yeah. Yeah, like, rusty cauldrons and, like, boots and, like, overgrown trees. And there's this yard, like... Uh, house around the corner from my house that their backyard is like overgrown like dandelions and bulbs and like this really like gnarly vine that's like completely growing over the fence and like this big beautiful tree that like you know hasn't ever been trimmed or tamed or whatever and the other day we were walking by and I was like I just love this yard so much and Evan was like of course you do like no (laughs) one has ever taken care of this yard it's your dream yard (laughs) It's such a lovely aesthetic. It I'm is. Just like, I can't. Yeah, I've definitely. Yeah, I've definitely seen a bunch of like houses, both occupied and not, that look like that. It's just like, I don't know. It's just there's something very like enchanted feeling about it, you know. And like the Weasley's Garden is literally enchanted, <laughs> um, right? But yeah, it's like so. Oh, it just sounds so dreamy, and I just want to go hang out in it. Um, and then the inside of the house, too, I think, again, is very much, like, in a lot of ways, something that very, very much appeals to me. And it's interesting because it's sort of, like, at odds with my actual lived aesthetic <laughs> somewhat. Nicole described my aesthetic as maximalist, which I think is accurate. I mean, it's also kind of our aesthetic also. Yeah. So. That's why, because that's how I describe our aesthetic is like maximalist. So I feel like to some extent, when it's like two people, it's very different from what your aesthetic looks like if you have kids, you know, 
um, every time like the queer eye dudes show up and are like, your children clearly live in this home. What are you doing? I have to fix the fact that there's evidence of them. And like you guys, it's actually just how having kids works. Like there's yeah, stuff that's I always, in the house I because they that... live there. And then it's like, don't give them a, a white couch or anything white. What are you literally doing? They have children. I know. It's very funny. It's like, well, their space should be their space and the rest of the house is your space. And it's like, no, they actually are just like part of the family. Um, they get to have their shit out too. Anyway. So I think that in some ways I am like expressing sort of the same aesthetic, but there's something just about the like hominess of how the burrow is described. And like part of that is it's like unkemptness, not in a like it's dirty way, because I don't think that it's dirty. I think that it just is like nine people live in this house or did at one point seven people still live in that house like you're there's gonna be a lot of things going on and like it just is very dreamy and very like appealing to a part of me that just is like the part of me that wants to move to the country and have like five dogs you know is like that's this is the house that i want i mean yeah i have a beautiful like hedgerow with like cute trees and a huge yard and this like ramshackled like house that just seems very like cozy and like close together not like in a claustrophobic way but like in a cozy way yeah because i feel there's a lot of like narrow hallways and narrow staircases and it's like oh it's a movie i don't know oh my god yes thank you i seriously um i love rooms every time someone's like i want to take this wall out and open up this room i'm like but why (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why would you do that? Because right now it's like every every space feels like a hug. It's like so much of what I love about my house is that even like our like living room, dining room are like attached to each other. But there's like that like, you know, piece of like ceiling divide that comes down so that each one feels like its own space. And like, this is so good. There are so many rooms in this house. It's literally 760 square feet and we have six rooms it's great <laughs> so into it that's the appropriate amount of rooms to have mm-hmm. um this is a little bit of a tangent but i read an article about people who are like going back to having rooms they're like i had this like open this like open this huge open space like apartment and then it's like it's echoey and cold and like <laughs> it's really loud and so i'm putting more walls in and i'm like Good job figuring out how architecture works. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and it, it just it just makes me laugh to think of people being like, yes, I'm going to put some walls back in because it turns out they're great. <laughs> it's like, why do you have to learn this? Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> people always want to open up houses for like entertaining. And it's like, you do realize that no matter how open you make this space, you are still going to have literally everyone clumped together in your kitchen so like even if your kitchen is open to like the rest of your like living space everyone's still going to be in that room so you might as well have three small rooms because then you'll have three clumps of people in three different rooms and there'll be less people in your kitchen so do that instead i don't know anyway This is so unrelated to Harry Potter. <laughs> the borough is a great house. We should all have a great party there. I I do have to wonder, like, I, I feel very curious because the way that 
Carrie describes it is that like he's like it looks kind of like a stone pig pen that someone like just built stuff on, which is probably true. Maybe mm-hmm. I guess like stone pig pen structures are a thing in England. But I just feel like is it magic enough to make it structurally sound? Because you kind of imagine it sort of like kind of like crooked and kind of like weird angles that like you wouldn't normally have because gravity would just make it collapse but it like it doesn't but I'm like that's because like I mean like Hogwarts is magical but it's still a castle that has like walls and like roofs that seem very solid mm-hmm. where it's like the burrow just seems very much like it's cobbled together with like plywood and magic and I'm like those aren't building materials <laughs> <laughs> I I think yes my answer to that is yes, the magic is enough. But then the question is, did like, like who built this house? Did like Arthur and Molly be like, we're just going to build this house? I think so. I think they just added a room per kid. <laughs> I mean, it, it is very nice. It does not seem like the kids share a room except for the twins who I'm sure want to share a room. So. Right. Yeah. Just keep adding, adding on rooms. It just gets higher. <laughs> Yeah, I don't... Oh, God, it's so dreamy. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up. There's a lot of... There's a lot of things in this chapter that are concerning. Should we just resume the Mr. Weasley... Yeah. ...stuff that you have? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about Arthur's job and his department, which seems to be... 80% wiping people's memories? <laughs> so, like, he's obviously doing investigations to figure out where this, like, this, like, weird tea, this, like, weird possessed tea kettle is, like, we gotta find it, we gotta, like, do the thing, figure out where it came from. But also, like, he must be really good at memory charms, because he must do them, like, constantly at his job. Oh, Jesus. Which makes me think that between that and the car, the author is probably a very powerful wizard, which is maybe why he has some kind of swing at the ministry, because he's like, I feel that's hard. I feel like memory charms are described as being tricky things, because there's so Mm -hmm. many fucked up memory charms in this series, this book, which is not great, but, so like, if he's good at it, Mm -hmm. presumably, like, that's pretty impressive, but also very horrifying. So is this which NSA watch? You know, I don't know. I do have an NSA watch. I think we're already in Witch NSA watch. Because definitely Arthur's job is part of the Witch NSA. But, like, it's not, like, totally straight up. Because he's supposed to, like, figure out, it seems like. I mean, obviously they have some kind of thing involved. So when it's, like, a muggle is attacked by a teapot, they have to be alerted somehow. This happened via muggle communication means. And then him and his co-worker need to show up. And, like, be like, oh, like, men in black, like, oh, we'll take care of it, it's fine. I assume that they know that the biting teapot thing happened through NSA means. Like. Oh. Because otherwise, how would the word get to them? They're That's watching. True. Watching, listening to every word we say. Okay, that actually makes sense, because my NSA question is how author knew that Harry got this warning However, men, however much time has passed since Harry got the warning about the floating pudding. It's like, how would I bet that's know? hot gas at the ministry. Did you hear Harry <laughs> Potter got in trouble for casting a spell? 
Like, that's like elevator talk for that's, sure. Harry's famous. It's totally fair. <laughs> so yeah, clearly some NSA things happening. Oh yeah. Yeah, I never, you know what, it never occurred to me before right now that, like, Arthur's job is is being part of the witch NSA. But he, like, I at first I was like, why is he, why did he have to work at night? But I bet him and Perkins have to trade off because one of them always has to be monitoring. Like, their little tiny broom closet office is probably just like a wall of crystal balls <laughs> showing, <laughs> you know, muggle goings on and, like finding the shit that they need to go take care of yeah or like i don't know wiping 80 people's memory if he was at a hospital because someone had like a sugar tongue like clamped to their nose for like no with no like visible means yeah and like everyone's mind has to be wiped and then like a memory has to be implanted oh god so immoral right and it's like and his job is, like, kind of a joke in the ministry, but I'm like, this is very serious and also, like, kind of important to maintain the statue of secrecy. <laughs> so right. Like, yeah, like, I mean, he's literally joke? part of, like, magical law enforcement, so, like, why is he, like, shit on for his part of magical law enforcement? Who's going to do it if not him? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, your job has the word muggle in it, so, like, it's not a good job. Or like, like him having to deal underpaid? with muggles. Right. But then if he's dealing with muggles constantly, it kind of doesn't make sense that he doesn't understand how stuff works. Like pounds. It's like, it's just num- It's just divisions of five. Like how is this hard? <laughs> you know? It's hard because they, the witches have like a totally nonsensical money system. I mean, it just makes me laugh because I'm just like, People say, like, metric system is hard, but I'm like, it makes much more sense than, like, whatever the fuck the U.S. does. Yeah, dude. It makes so much more sense. This has been Witch NSA Watch. So the piece of this whole thing that's not NSA related it's just the idea of muggle baiting uh which is a fucked up thing what are the repercussions what are the repercussions for literally anything in a society where the only punishment system is like solitary confinement in torture hell like you can't put people in Azkaban for muggle baiting jail is not a prison is not a good solution to anything in any society Full stop. I'm not saying that, like, oh, it's fine to, like, put someone in prison for a year for something like muggle baiting. It's not the solution. Please don't at me. However, in a society where your only prison, if you're going to have the prison system, is Azkaban, what the fuck do you do for, like, minor infractions? I feel like that isn't... Does that ever really describe? I feel like it's not. Never. Well, I mean, I guess... We see it in, what is it, book five, when Harry goes to, like, basically a trial over, like, something very minor. And, like, I don't know, maybe it'd be, like, you get fined or something. Because how the fuck else is the ministry, like, like, do they collect taxes? I feel like they don't. So, like. Hmm. 
But I feel like if you're someone like Lucius Malfoy, you probably just pay someone a bunch of money and, like, nothing happens to you. Like oh, in I'm real sure. life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Huh. Because there are so many levels of, like, crime between Mundungus Fletcher and his, like, petty theft and Lucius Malfoy and, like, I've tortured and murdered many a person. And it doesn't seem like there's any sort of, like, hierarchy of punishment. (laughs) But I guess they could just, like, the ministry could just, like, depend entirely financially on finding people for everything that comes stop short of like torture and murder yeah like it seems like it seems like mundungus fletcher is like always committing petty crimes and it's just like that's just him and i'm like wait what <laughs> like yeah, it's like widely known that like all he does is like steal shit yeah so clearly whatever they're doing to enforce don't do that isn't working yeah, because it seems like the aura department only is really focused on, like, dark wizards, which, right. okay. But, like, right. I feel like petty crime doesn't make you a dark wizard. <laughs> you right, know? exactly. Or, I mean, like, he's on the fucking Order of the Phoenix. He's not a dark wizard. He's just, like, a thief. Yeah. So, or, like, what if you're, like, you own, like, an illegal flying carpet? Like, the fuck are they going to do? Like, you're not hurting anyone. So, right. but it's, like, still illegal. But... Yeah, the judicial system in the witching world doesn't make any sense and it's broken. Yeah, which, I mean, we're about to get way more into when they fucking send Hagrid to Azkaban in two chapters or something. Over some goddamn bullshit. Uh-huh. Anyway, yes. Um, okay, so it's time to talk about house elves again. They're just, like, described as being owned twice in this chapter which was a gross thing that seemed worth pointing out it it is very gross i actually have like a different note a little bit yeah is like the twins described that like molly would want one for ironing and i'm like but you have magic like i don't understand the limitations of like saying a thing and then you're ironing like 12 things i have two notes about that the first is that when they said she wants a house elf to help with ironing what i wrote in my book is that ironing is literally the least essential chore that exists in this world and if you don't want to iron just throw your iron away like you don't you do not have to iron you never have to iron again if you don't want to hang your thing up on a hanger in the bathroom while you take a shower when you get out of the shower shake it real hard you're done go to work so that I just was annoyed that that was a particular task. But two, for sure, ironing is a spell. We see her do the dishes by pointing her wand over her shoulder at the sink. She does not even turn around. She does the spell non-verbally. What the fuck does anyone need a, like, fully human, you know what I mean? Like, essentially human being who has to physically do these tasks that you could do by pointing your wand for two and a half seconds. Why does anyone want a house elf? Like, chores are a non-issue in the witching world. I mean, I'm... Yes, you're right. It's gotta be status. Like, it's gotta be like, even though I could point my wand and literally get this done in two seconds, like... I'm rich and my family is pure blood, so clearly 
someone else needs to do that while I, like, sit here and, like, drink tea and, like, plot to kill Muggleborns. I don't fucking know. Because, like, because, <laughs> like, we see that, like, you know, the Blacks and the Malfoys and then the Crouches, like, own house elves. You right. Know? And, I mean, obviously Barty Crouch Sr. had a whole diff- had a whole thing for having his house elf do that was way beyond what I think normal house elf does. But, like, it's kind of like, right, it's like, Three people live at Malfoy Manor. Like, why the fuck do you need a house elf? Right. Besides, like, I'm rich and my blood is pure, so I need to, like, have a house elf because it's like having a Bentley or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you about that. I don't understand why anyone took the time to, like, enslave house elves in the first place given that chores are a non-issue. I don't understand why Hogwarts has house elves cooking and cleaning and, like, all of that shit when they could literally have, like, I don't know, three witches on staff that, like, pointed their wands a couple times a day and had an entire thing be cleaned, you know? Like, these beings have to, like, physically do a shitload of work, which they should actually... It seems like they would have the magic to do it without actually having to, like get their hands in the sink but we see creatures scrubbing so like i assume that that's not the case and this sort of like is tangential to this whole thing but like molly is described as being like so frazzled and overworked by caring for all of her kids but like everything that she does is like she points her wand for like half a second she literally should be like all day being able to live like the like Peg Bundy like <laughs> housewife dream just like smoking cigarettes eating bonbons like reading trash romance novels if she wants to because like she does the dishes by pointing a wand at them for half a second she she isn't overworked I just reject this description of her that doesn't it takes her five seconds yeah I mean I guess part of it could be like she still has to, like, parent her children. Sure. Since author is cool dad, like, he's not providing, like, structure or discipline or anything, so. But we get the impression from Ron that she's, like, not super active parent. Because she, like, doesn't know what color he likes or what food he likes. He's, like, she doesn't have much time with the five of us. So, like... That makes us think that, like, she her time is spent, like, tending to the house, but tending to the house doesn't actually take any time. It's bad writing. It's, like, bad... It's a flaw in logic on J.K. Rowling's part, I think. Like, I don't think that, like, Molly is, like, lying or... Yeah. You know, I just think that, like, this is an incorrect thing. Yeah. Like, J.K. Rowling forgot how magic works when she created the character of Molly Weasley and, like, wrote a muggle mother of seven and then was, like... But also she does her dishes by pointing her wand over her shoulder and, like, didn't figure out that the math doesn't work. Mothers should be frazzled and overworked and, like, short-tempered, clearly. Yeah, exactly. Even though she has fucking magic. Right. right. Uh, I don't know. Also, just make your fucking children scrub the dishes. Like, what the fuck? Also that. (laughs) Also that. You have all these kids. Put them all to work. I mean, she does. We later see them having to do things. Yeah. Okay, so what we have landed on is that house elves are purely a status symbol. Okay. 
What's next in politics? I have a few things. I think we should talk briefly about Errol, the owl. Okay. And if he has collapsed from exhaustion delivering the mail one time, like, fucking retire him. What the fuck? Like, literally, you bought Percy an owl. Like, I get it. He deserved a a treat or whatever. But, like, you probably should have bought the owl for your family and, like gotten Percy something else, you know? Right. Like, let let Arrow just be retired and, like, eating mice in the fields and, like, not delivering letters across this fucking country and, like, passing out from exhaustion. Yeah, it's a real problem. Errol is a hero. <laughs> this poor fucking owl. Yeah, I only have maybe a few more things. Yeah, I have two more. Uh, why did the Weasleys wait five weeks before deciding that they were worried enough about Harry to do something? I think that it is, it is, it, it is inexcusable. The only thing that I can think of is since they don't know Harry well at this point, that I feel like in later books they would not have waited this long. Um, but like, since they're like only kind of know him and maybe they're just like, oh, Ron is exaggerating about his treatment that they're just like waiting it out. You know. Yeah. Five weeks is a long time. Like, if your kid says that their friend is in an abusive household and you don't hear anything from that kid for five weeks, like, I don't know. I feel like three weeks, you know, maybe. But given the way that it seems like owl communication works, where people seem to, like, respond very directly and owls, you know, travel at the speed of sound, like, it just seems like that's, like, a a very long time. Especially because they know that Harry has an owl, so even if, like, Errol wasn't being quick, like, Harry should have been able to respond on his own. Right. So, it just, I don't know. It feels like, you know, it got to the point where the kids were so stressed out about it that they did this real wild thing with the car, um, which I'm sure they wanted to do, but like, I feel like they must've been like pestering their parents a lot to check on Harry before deciding like, okay, no one else is, they're not taking us seriously. We have to do something. Which I think is just very like lovely of them, honestly, to go and like (sighs) break Harry out in this car that none of them knows how to drive. Right. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, I have a couple of small things, um, and then we can get into Martin Miggs, Mad Muggle. It's ridiculous to me that Lucius Malfoy being a Death Eater is such an open secret, and it's like, and obviously it's just like his money has protected him, but I'm just mm-hmm. like, God damn. Like, Arthur was like, he was in probably in his inner circle, and he fucking was in his inner circle, you guys. Like, what the fuck? Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, like, Fudge is, like, so corrupt. And he wasn't the minister, right, when Voldemort was in power, but... I don't think so. But, like, he's in power still, and, like... Like, there's basically no repercussions of Lucius Malfoy being a Death Eater. Like, twice. Right. Oh, he goes to prison the second time. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, prison is terrible, but, like... There are ways to deal with people being in a, like, 
racist murder cult. Correct. Yeah, Azkaban is not the solution to that problem. But they, I, well, I mean, whatever. We shouldn't dig into the prison system quite yet. But I will say that the there, there doesn't seem to be anything about the justice system in the witching world that has rehabilitation in mind in any way, shape, or form, which I feel like our prison system at least, like, says that their goal is rehabilitation, despite the fact that, like nothing about the way that it's structured actually lends itself to that but the witching world isn't even pretending right they're just like no you were bad you be tortured for the rest of your life presumably so ah yep okay martin Miggs. let's go into this my my first comment honestly is that Hermione would literally never let her children read this thing. And so it's weird that, like, it's so weird that Ron is, like, reading this because it sounds so fucked up. Totally. It kind of reminds me of people now who let their kids read things like Tintin. They're like, I loved it when I was a child and I didn't grow up to be a racist bigot, so it's fine for me to let my kids read it. And it's like, are you sure? Because... It's, like, really racist and fucked up, you guys. Like, I don't know if I, like, had kids and was gonna, like, read the Just So stories with them, I would, like, take a razor blade and take out the super fucking racist Just So story before (laughs) I gave the book to my kids. I wouldn't just be like, let's, you know... I turned out fine and be like, "Mm mm-mm, we can just censor this. Like, you... This is not, we don't need to just, like, keep perpetuating this into, like, future generations. Yeah. Now, I'm not promoting censorship, you guys. I just think that there are some things where it's, like, this there just doesn't really... need to be yeah. out there, you know? Yeah, there are some really racist things where it's, like, there's this well-known film, Birth of a Nation, where it's, like, a lot of people in blackface and it's about, like, the KKK, like, punishing and murdering black people that's still shown today because it's like one of the first like full-length movies and it's like fucking stop showing it like there are so many other examples of like early film technique you could show that isn't literally about the kkk murdering black people (laughs) and like full of racist stereotypes and it's like you don't like you don't have we can just stop we can just agree to stop things like this Mm -hmm. exactly Uh, yeah it's like we're not saying you have to like you know have a book burning party but like maybe you could just be like oh wow this sure is of its time and like not of this time and so maybe we could just leave it in its time you know yeah okay i found this on the web for as of its time and like not of this time answer me what is the time why why is siri listening to us i don't know my siri i didn't touch my phone so, and I don't have Hey Siri turned on because that spooks me out. Um, so there's a ghost in my office. Or actual NSA. <laughs> <laughs> they just activated my phone. Um, cool. So now that's on record that Siri just turned itself on. Anyway. Um, yeah, I I don't understand why this is a thing that is common enough for Ron to have copies of in his room. And especially because, like, 
you know, the Weasleys profess to be so pro-Muggle, pro-Muggle-born, like, witch-Muggle relations, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Even though, I mean, I feel like to be truly in that, like, stance, you would actually need to be, like, pushing for an integrated society, Whereas Arthur's very much like, bless them, they're so foolish, and we have to, like, protect them from themselves by obliviating them. But it just doesn't seem like they would, like, they shouldn't give their kids that comic. Yeah, I feel like, we clearly don't know what this is about, just the title, but I feel like it's, like, a muggle character who's just running amok, and it's just like... I mean, it sounds like something from Mad Magazine, or like a R. Crumb comic which is like another thing where it's like maybe we should stop giving this to people like yeah he was like a big you know early comic book writer like trailblazer etc and like there's a fuckload of rape in those comics and maybe we should just shelve them yeah i feel like there are a lot of like in a lot of mediums but yeah that like indie comic like history it's like yeah we can just stop reading those comics that's cool it'd be great like just feel like that have like he was a big deal you literally don't need to know anything more <laughs> like mm-hmm. or like he was a big deal caveat don't read his shit because it's super fucked up and like whatever anyway okay welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff this whole thing with Fred and George picking the locks proved to us that there is so much that, like, the magical world is not teaching people that is, like, important to know. And I don't know, not that, like, picking locks is important to know, but, like, you know, where it's, like, people think it's silly to, like, know this stuff, but, like, we think it's important. It's, like, there's actually, like, a fuckload of stuff that you guys are not learning that, like, actually is important. And, like, I feel like, I don't know, this is just sort of our first, like, glimpse at this sort of idea of, like, oh, man, there is actually, like, a lot of life skills that you guys are not learning. Like, Um, there's, like, not a lot of life skills, and I think it actually sort of also positions the twins as people who put a lot of thought into like knowing stuff and like just sort of being like and like working around the limitations where it's like Mm -hmm. all right we can't do magic outside of school but if we want to like pick some locks like we gotta learn how to fucking do that without magic and i feel like there's a few other instances in the books where like they're getting inspiration from, like, muggle stuff that they're, like, people kind of look down upon this, but it's, like... I think it would have been great Ravenclaws, to be perfectly honest. But. Totally. Like, they're so goddamn... Like, it's not, like, it's, like, not, like, academic smart, because they seem to, like, not really care about that, but, like, they're, like, really fucking smart and, like, really good at, like, thinking outside of the box, much more so than other witches. Yeah. Like, their creative thinking is so much more well-developed than, like, anyone that we meet in these books. Yeah, it's, it's, just makes it all the more disgusting the way that Molly treats them Right, on. and it's, I mean, and I think 
maybe for Molly, part of it is like maybe having her children be respectable in a like upward mobility kind of way, maybe. That's garbage. I mean, it is garbage. I mean, yes, but like. But it's like there's a lot of emphasis on like Bill working for Gringotts and like Percy being like a prefect and so are these like things where it's like IRL would be like my oldest works for a bank and my third child is you know gonna work for the government and like you know have this really great like political career and like go to a fancy college and it's sort of like it sort of feels like that you know totally she just needs to reframe and be like they're entrepreneurs yeah they're launching a startup. <laughs> a very successful startup, may I add. An incredibly successful kickstarted startup. <laughs> Harry got some excellent backer rewards. <laughs> he did. <laughs> okay. Whew. Great. Welcome to Corrections, where we talk about things that are incorrect. Things that are very wrong <laughs> that we have noticed. Yeah. That don't things that don't make any sense. Why does this whole car thing not count as doing magic? It's so weird. It's like it's such a weird loophole. Like they're in an enchanted car that like if they had gotten like caught magic must be pouring off of that oh car. my god you're right it's like how do you like you have to have so many layers of charms and enchantments to get a ton of steel to fly and it's like sort of sentient so it's like what the fuck kind of shit is like author been doing to this car and if dobby doing a spell triggers harry's trace this like magic as fuck vehicle should absolutely have alarm bells in the ministry just wailing it doesn't make any yeah. sense also in general that'd be weird it's like okay you can't do underage magic but if you were like on a fucking flying horse like it's like you shouldn't that that's like a thing that maybe i don't know it's weird yeah and, like, how is, like, flying a broomstick not doing magic? Like, you're using magic to operate the broomstick. Like, there's all, so much about the trace doesn't make any sense. Right, like, what is the actual the actual point of, like, tracking these children? Like, is it to prevent, like, muggles from finding out? Because then having them ride brooms seems like a giant, like, PR statue of secrecy nightmare. <laughs> you know what the point of it is? Is, um... So that Harry can't do magic during the summers? I mean, yes. It's a narrative device that literally makes no sense whatsoever. That's it. Vernon should have woke the fuck up earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, yanking? Like, I think if they... Because, like, they yank... They, like, broke the house. Yeah, they yanked the bars out of the window. The house would have shook. It would have been loud as fuck. You would have felt it. You would have felt the house move. Iron, like an iron bar situation bolted to a window. Those bars didn't just come off. A chunk of house that they were bolted to came off. There's like the, but like whatever they were attached to, that has less structural structural integrity than metal. So like the wood gave or the siding gave, 
Yeah. That's loud. That would have been loud. Also, cars revving their engine. I mean, did they say revving? I mean, yeah. Like, I live near a major street when people rev their engine, it's loud as fuck. Like, people, like, and they're in a quiet ass suburb. It should have woken up. Literally, the whole street woke up. Right. Uh huh. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense that like no one else woke up when they got caught because everyone in that block would have woken up. So, yep. Um. All right. So my other correction is just that this whole thing where Harry forgets Hedwig is just utter nonsense. He would never. Never. Also, Hedwig would not have allowed him to. Well, I mean, she didn't. Yeah. But, but like, yeah. like they would have been the first thing to go. Would have been like, please let Hedwig out of her cage. He like races around, handing everything in his room out to Ron, and then goes and helps them get the trunk. Hedwig is in his room. She's one of the things that he's like handing out to Ron. It is nonsense and it would have been so much easier just to like make vernon wake up to like the thunk of the trunk against the windowsill or like there are plenty of loud things going right. on or like oh shit harry forgot his broom but like hedwig made a noise like she doesn't ha- like it doesn't have to be like yeah oh yeah. i forgot my best friend my snowy owl like no right that would have right. been the first thing to go into the car yes it's too silly it's just not good writing anyway (laughs) welcome to the health and science section where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and science today gnomes i feel like this is where i just put all the like animal shit that i want to talk about yeah Uh, yes um it seems like gnomes are like groundhogs except they are sentient because they can speak which makes their treatment it's even it's, it's bad if even if they couldn't talk because you're treating a living thing like this but they can talk so they're sentient and i'm just like why are you treating these sentient creatures like this ron or one of the twins says that like harry don't worry about it they're gonna come back like dad's too soft on them and i'm just like is the normal way of dealing with them killing them? Because I feel like it might be. Oh, you're probably right. Like, because they're like a garden pest. And like, it's like if you had like voles or like groundhogs or like rabbits, it's like people just probably just straight up murder them. That's and don't true. think anything about it. So it's See, like, this is a situation where like having an integrated society would really benefit them because then they could get those weird like sonic things that you put down there that make a <laughs> terrible sound and make the animals want to leave. And you wouldn't have to murder them. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I didn't. I wondered about that, but it didn't even occur to me because these are like literal people. I don't know like how, I don't know how witches like talk themselves out of thinking about gnomes and house elves as people. I mean, I think it's very clear that like if you have a wand, you're a person and that you're an actual person to be considered. Like, it seems like it weren't a bunch of the goblin wars, like, about goblins not being able to have wands and, like, yeah. just being like, well, fuck you guys, you're not people or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, house elves can't have wands, so. Yeah. I think I think that's the justification, is that that's even though they can talk fucked. and are sentient, is that, like, well, you don't have a wand, so you're not a person. But does that make it, I mean, I guess that is what, like, dark wizards are using to justify harming muggles, but, like... That's fucked. That's like really, really, no, really fucked. It is fu- It is fucked up. It is so fucked up. 
And also, like, who's who told them that it doesn't hurt them? I promise that it hurts them. Like, being flung across a field hurts them. Like, yeah, they probably, like, a bunch of them have, like, broken limbs and, like, some of them die. Like, that's, like, a weird story that they've made up and told themselves that's, like... I don't know, feels like the equivalent of like, oh, you have to like shove your dog's face in its own shit to get it to stop pooping in the house. And it's like, that's not abuse. It's just like how you teach a dog. And it's like, if you stopped and thought about that for like one and a half seconds, you would change your mind. But like, people have just always told you that that's what you have to do. And you haven't thought about it critically. And so clearly, that's just what they grew up hearing. And they haven't stopped for one and a half seconds to be like, is there any logic in thinking that being flung, swung around by your feet and then flung 50 feet doesn't hurt a living creature? Because you're yeah. not, you're not going to land on, yes, this is true. <laughs> like, you're definitely not. It is a little disheartening that, like, at first Harry's like, oh, I'm just going to throw it over the hedge. And then one bites him and he's like, fuck it. And I'm like, no, like, if you, if some giant fucking picked you up and throw you over a wall you'd bite them too like come exactly on, yeah it's man the treatment of non-human animals in the witching world is or non-human magical beings sentient and non yeah <laughs> no nope. they just, just are... fucking clean all that shit up give it <laughs> all those assholes yeah just like oh my god no let's pass some laws about house elves gnomes dragons Goblins, centaurs, like who are people? Fucking... I mean, we'll get into more of that, but it's like, yeah, I mean, fucking sentient plants. Like, can we stop killing mandrakes, for instance? Like, these are people. What is going on? Yeah, there's so much weird sentient shit in the witching world, and it's like, should probably take this into consideration. A cow, at no point like, hits puberty and throws parties with its friends and, like, moves into its girlfriend's pot. Like, this is different. Like, these are... These are people. Like, they may not be human, but they're people. Yeah. (laughs) You know, until you said it, I didn't realize that I do straight-up murder mandrakes that are sentient plants. And it's like... It's fucked up. It's so fucked up. When they start up. moving into each other's pots, we know they're ready to harvest. <laughs> That's the a fucking, actual fuck. What fucking kind of like fucked up Logan's run ass shit is that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's out of control oh is what God. it is. So our last segment today is arts and culture, where we're going to talk about music and witching photographs. Music is just like, where does anyone learn an instrument? They don't have any priorities on the arts, full stop. How does anyone become a photographer? Who makes paintings? Like, they don't teach any of this at Hogwarts, and it seems to be the case that there are literally two bands, (laughs) the Weird Sisters and Celestina Warback. Is that her last name? Warback? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And is that because, like, you have to, like, go out into muggle society to find, like, a vocal trainer and, like, learn to play guitar? You know, I have to say, this has always been a thing about the series that has, like, I've been, like, obsessed with the fact that we don't have an answer to. Right. Like, wh- like where are the, like, 
witching like plays like are people writing like novels someone's writing comic books apparently right there's paintings and there's but we never see anyone being like i'm going to art school or like i'm working with like a master portrait person to paint these moving portraits and it's like are all the artists just hufflepuffs because like clearly we never hear (laughs) any kind of anything about this yeah it's it's like bizarre and as someone who is like has a lot of creative interest. I'm just like, where are all the weird, arty Hogwarts kids? <laughs> right. And there's only the one witching wireless station. So you have no control over the music that you're taking in. Like, no one is... Uh, like, they don't have, like... What is the 90s? They don't have CDs. You know, they don't... But they have, like... but like. There, so there would be records, and I feel like a record player would work in the witching world. Because, like... A phonograph would work, yeah. The ones that you crank up. They don't have electricity. <laughs> but maybe charmed record players, maybe. But would that be misuse of muggle artifacts? Anyway, <laughs> yes, there should be more bands. There should be more... There should be more music. Like, and, and I swear to God, I think that, like, the Weird Sisters had to, like, go join muggle society and, like, find a bass teacher and like a guitar teacher to learn how to play these instruments. I mean, I'm sure. Or they're all like, also they play electric guitars. Can we just for one second, they are a rock band. They play electric guitars. What are those plugged into? Anyway, those are enchanted to shit electric. guitars. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're all like muggle born or like whatever, but yeah, like you'd have to go to the muggle world to learn anything about art. It seems like. Yeah. Which is weird. It's really weird. Yeah, the lack of, like, anything about arts besides photography, like, in the series is very bewildering to me, I feel like. And there's not even, like, photography classes, you know? Like, but we only a... ever see, like, portrait But there must be a, a a lab or, like, a dark room, because Colin Creevy is, like, developing photos that move, and, that, and he mentions there's a special process Developer. to do that. Yeah. So Hogwarts has a dark room. Cool. That's Maybe there exciting. are art clubs that Harry's just not in and is not aware of. That's true. Because he is a jock. <laughs> it's fair. He's also very busy. He, he has a lot going on. That's fair. Where is the great witching novel, I tell you? like, is Are there novels? I don't know. The only fiction we get is the, the Beetle and the Bard stuff. That's the only fiction that's mentioned. And wow. this comic book that's clearly fucked up. Right. Not yeah. a lot of fiction, huh. which seems bizarre. I th- yeah. I've thought a lot about this and how upsetting it is. There must not be, like, kids' books, because, like, literally in the 90s, no one was reading their children the Brothers Grimm, which is what Beetle the Bard is. Those are things that you, like, bust out when your kids are teenagers, and you're like, you want to know the real Cinderella story? <laughs> or maybe that was just my dad. But, you know, Molly would not have chosen that if there were, like books about you know sentient bunnies you know cooperating or whatever like kids books are you know so i also was just thinking you mean watership down i don't know if molly would want to read her children's that is not what i mean that's not a children's book (laughs) yeah okay well that's what we have for today thank you for listening to this week's episode of the gaily prophet If you love our podcast and would like to support us, 
there are three ways that you can do so. One is going over to iTunes or Facebook or Stitcher and leaving us a five-star review and letting the world know that you love this podcast. That one still comes with the potential of getting a free logo sticker if you are one of the first 50 people to leave us a review. So we're like a little over halfway to that goal now. And as soon as we reach that goal, one fifth of you review leavers are going to get a sticker. So that's rad. Another way is to visit our shop, which is at thegailyprofit.com slash shop. Our merch is very cute and you need all of it in your life. Correct. We have t-shirts and stickers and mugs and postcards and really beautiful prints of the Hagrid and Sylvie comic that Theo made. The last way that you can support us is by heading over to patreon.com slash the gaily profit where you can become a monthly supporter at several levels and get various wonderful things in return. Follow us in between episodes on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the gaily profit. And you can also check out our website at thegailyprofit.com. Uh, if you would like to let us know your thoughts about fiction or justice in the witching world, you can email us at thegailyprofit at gmail.com. Um, if you want to follow me between episodes, I am on Twitter at jesse underscore Detroit. And I am on Instagram at live from Detroit. If you want to find me in between episodes, you can go to larkmalakai.com. That's L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I.com, where you can learn about the work that I do with nutrition and the tarot readings that I offer and also the trans inclusivity trainings for healthcare providers that I offer. And those are all virtual, virtual uh things so you can look into that wherever you live and you can also find me on instagram at lark malachi or at radical healer and if i forgot to spell my name because my brain doesn't go back more than five seconds it's l-a-r-k-m-a-l-a-k-a-i great our spoiler warning is by friend of the pod sarah sarwar our logo and our weekly comics that are on our website and on social are by Theo Julian Forrester and our theme music is by Kevin McLeod and you and we'll have all of those folks information in the show notes you should go check them out until next time turquoise splitting hairs misuse groundhog <laughs>